Hey, it's me, Van Lathan, host of Higher Learning with Rachel Lindsay and Van Lathan. I wanted to tell you about one of my favorite shows on our network, The Ringerverse. Head to The Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. This week, we covered the biggest announcements from DC Fandom. DC Fandom is an event where DC rolls out all of their stuff that they got coming up, and there's some really great things going on. You got The Flash, they got the Batman movie directed by Matt Reeves, you got uh, Young Justice, you got Black Adam, you got Aquaman. There was a lot of stuff on DC Fandom, and we're going to keep you guys engaged and in the know on what's going on, which is the reason why I love the Ringiverse. I don't know if you guys know, but I love the Ringerverse. Okay? The Ringerverse is special. I would say that the Ringerverse is the higher learning of fandom content. You know how you listen to higher learning and all of a sudden it's beautiful, it's funny, it's an amazing thing, and you have everything that you need in order to figure out what's going on in today's world? Well, that's what the Ringerverse does for you, and there's one specific host on the thing who's just amazing, won't tell you who he is, but I bet you could probably guess. You can find the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, and wherever you get your podcast, you better get into the Ringerverse, Midnight Boys, yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. Your <laughs> it's boy. I, Van Lathan. It is me, Rachel and Lindsay. You okay? Your voice? Your voice? You sound yeah, like me. it's okay. You sound like me. Well, <laughs> we're, we're, we're taping a little earlier this morning. Um, Rachel's Rachel's eating the pot belly sandwich in the mitten of Michigan. I've learned this this morning. No, I'm, the in mitten. A, I'm in Ohio. I'm in Ohio. Oh, you're not in the mitten. I go to the mitten tomorrow. The mitten. I learned today about the Mitten of Michigan. I knew about Michigan overall. I've been up there, but I didn't realize that people use Michigan as the Mitten to like describe where they are in Michigan. And you guys, he's been distracted for like 10 minutes. He can't get over it. He's been he's been focused on the Mitten and geography since. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I got to read it. I got to I got to watch some sort of documentary about the Mitten now. It's it's uh it's interesting because I Upper Peninsula didn't never heard of it. Didn't know that really? this was a thing. Nope. I say that and I only know because I lived in Wisconsin. Had you had you talked to me before, I would have had no idea. Shout out to Michigan. Shout out to all of these places that have stuff about them that I don't know. I'm just floored about the amount of stuff that I don't know. I want to know it all. So now I have to get familiar with the geography, the topography and the environmental conditions there in Michigan outside of, you know, what we already know about some of the places in Michigan that like like Flint and stuff. I want to know more about Michigan. I want to know more about the Upper Peninsula. I'm going to watch YouTube. Have you you heard about the sand dunes in Michigan? No. What's that? You got it. And I've never been. But on the western side of Michigan. They've got these dunes, these sand dunes. Apparently, it's absolutely gorgeous. Donnie, I don't know if you've been to Western. Donnie is from Michigan. I don't know if you've been to Western Michigan in the summers, but everybody talks about these beautiful white sands and these dunes and people vacation there, you know, like Grand Rapids. And then you just like keep going west, north. Yeah. I know that there was a part of Michigan where Negroes used to go back in the day and it was a big time vacation spot almost like the 
Black Atlantic City or something like that. I read a little bit about that. Donnie, do you know what I'm talking about? You're from Michigan. Do you know about this place? And then they stopped going there because, you know. Yeah, I actually don't know that much about that. That's not something that's like outwardly taught to Michigan people like that. That's kind of inside information. That was good to know. You just taught me something about my own state, man. Hmm. So what you mean to tell me, Donnie, is that you know all about the Upper Peninsula, <laughs> but you don't know about your own people that were there in Michigan. That's that what either. you said. I did not. I, I've never Donnie, research that because because <laughs> I have to look into that. We don't know where this place is in Michigan. For all we know, Van is talking about Wisconsin. We don't mm-hmm. know. Okay, research so here's so like Black Vacation Spot, Michigan. I'm gonna look it up right now. I've been I've been doing a little bit of oh 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 look at this Michigan's Black Eden it's called Idlewild all right the forest of Northwest Michigan was a Black Eden known as Idlewild all right once a paradise that hopes to rise again it was a, vaca- a vacation resort for Black professionals that were excluded from other places during Jim Crow Idlewild Black Eden. I have a problem with it being called Black Eden, by the way. It shouldn't be called Black Eden. Other places that are Eden should be called White Eden because Adam and Eve were from Africa. Okay? So being that they were from Africa and the Garden of Eden was in Africa, probably around Ethiopia, then why would it be White Eden? Other places should just be, they should be called, why would it be black Eden? Other places should be called white Eden because the real Eden is black. See how they do us? See how they do us, Rach? I'm on my shit this morning. We're doing the podcast too early. You guys gonna get all your fucking- You are on your shit this morning, but I have a feeling at the time that this was founded in 1912, I'm looking this up too. Maybe they were not aware of where Eden actually is. See Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But this is fascinating. People like W.E.B. Du Bois went and all- It was a big deal. Yeah. All went, yeah. Du Bois, like it, it, it. What did it, I say? Yeah. Du Bois. Then I said Du Bois. Then I said Du Bois. <laughs> oh, I've heard it both ways. <laughs> we know the guy. We love the guy. Uh yeah. So it, it, uh, you know, twenty five thousand people will come to Idlewild in the height of the summer season. Enjoy camping, swimming, boating, fishing, hunting, horseback riding, roller skating, and nighttime entertainment. You have people come out there and stuff. So it was a big deal. Uh, other resorts opened up and then Idlewild went away. A little black history nugget right there for you that you didn't know anything about Donnie that I didn't really, you know, I knew of it, but I couldn't pick it off the top of my head. This is what happens. This is what happens. They want you to believe, as an aside, that we didn't have stuff, that we didn't adapt. That's true. That is very true. We did. You know what? They told us you couldn't come to to you couldn't you can't come hang out with us and the Catskills or you can't come to AC. You know what we did? We will fuck it. We'll go to Idlewild. We'll do that. And you know, then they take it economic away. Things they change. take it away. Yeah. They take it away. And then they say, Oh, you're lazy. You don't do anything for yourself. But we did. Mm. Mm. That's Idlewild. so interesting. I had no idea. Look at that. Look at me being in the Midwest eating pot bellies. Brought a whole Black history lesson to the podcast this morning. It's true. By the way, there's one thing here that I think maybe doomed Idlewild. It said that people enjoyed camping and swimming. 
Stop it. I think swimming. What? Van. No, we're not going to stereotype. Swimming what? Swimming what? Swimming what? I think that that's probably, you know. That's kind of gone by the wayside the last couple of days. <laughs> First topic is actually a sad one. Wait, 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 wait. I just have to say, mm-hmm. before you get into sadness, I, I um, just got back from Dallas and it feels mm-hmm. so good to be home. I just want to say that. Mm. I had a great time seeing my sisters. My other sister came and surprised my dad's 70th birthday. My other sister came and surprised him. I surprised them. It was a good time with family. Saw my nephews because I hadn't probably seen him in about ten months. My dad, at least. My mom. Have, have you? Can we get an update on your nephew that was having problems in school? Has oh, he been radicalized he's yet? He's great. He's he's doing mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. Yeah, tell him not to forget. I don't know if he's radicalized, but he's definitely. I'm a, I can't wait. I can't wait to meet him. Definitely doing fantastic. Tell him not to forget. Tell him not to forget how they did him. Don't forget, because see, that's what happens. We forget. Like, he's a nice kid, probably a good-looking kid. He goes there. The next thing you know, his name is Alex, right? Alistair. Alistair. Wow. So the 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 next thing you know, every all his white classmates love him. Alistair can play football. And then, like, <laughs> they, they completely forget about, tell Alistair, don't forget how they did you, bro. Don't forget how they did you. Be friends, but don't forget, but Alistair. But don't forget. I'll let him know. Fuck over my guy. Is it like, nah, Alistair, we love you. Be nice to your classmates, but don't forget, they fronted on you. They did. The teacher mm. did. The teacher and the classmates went along with no, it. No, they didn't, man. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. A bunch of five-year-olds, what'd they do? The classmates went along with it. Nobody stood up for Alistair. No, there was one kid who did. What? One, there was one kid that stood up with He what was, was like, his remember name? he sat him by himself and he was like, no, I, he volunteered to sit by himself. Mm, well, that's the that's the one. That's the ally. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the ally. All right. That's the ally right there. That's the that's the one. He's cool. Everybody else is like, past the colors. Uh, <laughs> so, um, OK. As we were sitting down to do the podcast, we got the word, uh, Rachel, as you know, that General Colin Powell, former General Colin Powell, has passed away and died. Uh, he has a very complicated legacy. Um, we're getting this right now. Very complicated legacy that is equal parts trailblazer in many ways for some of the doors that he broke down and equal parts, if we're being fair, war criminal. For some of the things that happened while he was serving in the Vietnam War and, of course, a part of the Iraq War. In the next coming days, you're going to learn a lot of stuff about General Powell, a man who in some realms was respected and deserved that respect. And in others was uh, feared and reviled. What we're going to do is we're going to sit on this for a couple of days and then on our next podcast, we're going to have a discussion about the legacy of Colin Powell, who he was, and not tell you guys how to feel, but try to give you a 360-degree view of Colin Powell's life so that we can properly contextualize what being a lifelong member of the American military apparatus means for one's life. Um, 
uh, America's going to celebrate differently or look back differently at Colin Powell's life. Some are going to some are going to celebrate him as a war hero and uh, some sort of a political maverick. Others as someone who was the architect of a lot of lost lives. So uh, there you have it. And we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit more in depth later on in the week. Um, okay. Donald Trump is back. <laughs> Did he ever leave? Did he ever Did leave? He? Did he ever Did leave? leave? Did he leave, Rachel? Oh. Do you, what do you feel like? What's your gut tell you? Did, did Donald, Was Donald Trump ever truly gone? No. No, he, he wasn't. Leave. He got a little quiet. Mm. He left yeah. He left the administration. He left the White House. Right. But he didn't leave the public. Right. He left kind of like herpes leaves. Okay. It comes, it comes back. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it, he left. No, no. There were no symptoms for a while, but he was still there. You know, the entire time, just waiting for the right moment, flare back up. So um, you're saying we're never going to get rid of him. That's exactly what you're letting me know. We'll never rid of Donald Trump. Um, yeah, we're not. Trump is here to stay because he, Trump is not Trump anymore. Trump has given birth to a whole political movement. That political movement ain't going anywhere for a long, long time. A long, long time. Uh, but he, last week, something that we didn't get a chance to really talk about, we didn't want to miss it, he had a rally where he encouraged his group, his Republicans, not to vote in 2022 or 2024 if, in fact, uh, the GOP can fix the baseless claims of election fraud. Now, I don't know exactly what he wants them to do, but what he said was, if we don't solve the presidential election, the election fraud of 2020, uh, Republicans will not be voting in 22 or 24 is the single most important thing for Republicans to do. I'm not sure what <laughs> he means by that. Do you know what he means by that? No, I don't know what he means. I don't know what he means. And I and I love that you're trying to figure it out. Hmm. Well, it, it, this whole statement has been thrown around on some QAnon channels on Telegram. They still believe that Trump is going to be reinstated as president. So are we saying now, is Donald Trump saying that unless he is given the presidency back from 2020, which ain't going to happen, that his people, his Huge swath of voters are going to vote for any other Republicans in 2022 or 2024. But I mean, Van, is this not on point? Is this not classic Trump, right? He wants more than anything to have power. He wants more than anything to win and to be back in office. And for him to admit that there wasn't an, any fraud in the election, then he has to admit defeat. And that's something that Trump doesn't want to do. So that's why he continues to keep perpetuate this narrative amongst his people, which at this point is a cult, right? You are mm -hmm. listening and you're following a man with no rhyme or reason, except, you know, for the fact that he wants to center things around himself and about himself. I mean, the man is delusional and he keeps pushing a narrative that pretty much everybody else has moved on from except for Trump and his following. So at this point, to answer your question, all he wants to, yeah, he wants the power. He wants to get back. And anything outside of, you know, like if he admits that there's defeat in the election, then then he, then he can't get it back. 
Now, I don't understand why he just doesn't say, you know what, there was fraud and I'm going to run again in 2024. I don't know why he's still hanging on to something that happened in the 2020 election and not just move forward. And, you know, if I were him, point out the things that are currently wrong and why he should be back in office. I don't know why he's still holding on to this, other than the fact that he is such a narcissist that he cannot admit defeat. He cannot accept the fact that he lost when he stood on, you know, a platform that he was going to win. Hmm. Uh, so you're right. I don't. I wonder here. It's been a foregone conclusion that Donald Trump will, will will run in 2024. So is he essentially telling people not to vote for him? I thought about that. But I guess my thing is, is Trump changes his mind all the time. Yeah. So I can't take it seriously that he's like, don't vote right now. I feel like he's just saying something to garner attention, to get people talking about it, to say something that is polarizing, which it is. And but at the end of the day, if his if the Trumpers aren't voting, then he can never get back in office. But I felt like I thought this was interesting because I had so many thoughts when I saw this, because I almost am like, should we just let Trump keep talking and just let him keep hanging himself? Because with statements like this, this was so drastic that even the Trumpers were divided on this statement. You know what I mean? And if you're dividing the Ma the MAGA group, then isn't that a win for liberals and progressives? Because now you're messing even that up. And then if you're and then on the other end, if you're telling them not to vote, then those are people that were never going to vote liberal and progressive anyway. So you're just splitting the Republican Party at the same time even further, which is also they gotta a win. Listen to them. Which they is gotta awesome. listen to him. Who's gotta listen to him? The MAGA people. This is your God. Listen, don't you, look. look. <laughs> oh God, speak. I gotta tell you guys, this is your God. Because there's a lot of people out there who are probably conflicted. Like, should I vote? No. Donald Trump said, don't vote. Donald Trump said that Mitch McConnell and the rest of the Republicans, Lindsey Graham, they have to deliver him the presidency from 2020, or you guys won't vote. You guys, if that doesn't happen, listen. To Donald Trump, I'm telling you guys, listen to him. He speaks the truth. If you can hear my voice, I don't know, maybe there's one or two of you out there that might just listen here just to hate fuck our voices. All right, listen to Trump. Don't we? We want people to listen, Rach. We we were wrong before when we told you not I'm to not, listen. No, to no, him. no, no, no. I'm not jumping on this bandwagon because when Trump, Trump changes his mind next week, they're gonna press play on this. That's fine. <laughs> I'll change my mind too. I got a play button. But for right now, a broken clock is right twice a day. And he's telling these people not to vote. Fucking listen, don't vote. Get your old. Oh, you know, Trump is he's set to be deposed today. Is he? Yeah. We're gonna in have New York? fresh. I'm not sure where. He is being deposed in relation to uh, a 2015 lawsuit of some protesters who were assaulted at a Donald Trump rally. Oh, this is something totally different. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is. So he's going to be deposed today. And so this deposition, uh, Trump might have to answer questions about his personal finances, uh, El Broke Boy. Why would that, uh, why would that come up? Uh, because... It would come up because they're suing him and they want to know how much they can sue for. They want to know punitive damages and they want to know how much money he had to put on said rallies in 2015. This is stuff before he was president. So uh, it's not protected by any type of privilege.
She's gonna have to answer those questions, and not necessarily, but he, but they can be asked. Well, maybe he doesn't have to answer them, but uh, in well, tell me, well, like, what questions would Trump have to answer? in the deposition, because I saw this. You can ask those questions, but if you could be like, you can say, my attorney told me not to to answer that. Attorney could be like, he's not going to answer that. You can always Mm. do that, and then, but the record reflects that. Doesn't mean that it won't come out later in trial. Doesn't mean that they can't, you know, subpoena certain things. But you can always say, "I'm not going to answer," or your objection, or you. He could answer, and the attorney objects, and then they handle it later in court. So why don't you? So in a deposition, then why don't you just not answer anything? I mean, you could do that, but that's not going to look good. Why would it matter how it looks? Well, because it could eventually go in front of a jury. Well, if it goes in front of a jury, wait, well, the thing that's going to look worse is if you answer it and it doesn't work out. So if you don't have to answer anything in the deposition, look, I I thought a deposition was where you had to answer stuff. If you don't have to answer anything in a deposition, there are a lot of people who are deposed and and the stuff that they answer, the, the answers are damning. So if you don't have to answer it, when you're on trial and you're on the stand, can you just say, I'm not going to answer that? I'm not talking about invoking your Fifth Amendment privilege. I'm like, can you just say, I'm not going to answer? Really? They can hold. That's when they're like, the judge will be like, oh, I'm going to hold you in contempt. Right. But then you have to answer. Mm-hmm. Then you have to answer. They can't hold you in contempt in a deposition. So in a deposition, you could just be like, look, that's good to know. If I ever get deposed, I'm just going to be like, no, I'm not answering that. Van, did you that? Nope. I'm not answering. My attorney said I shouldn't answer that. And we just that's going to be a whole two hour de- deposition of me saying no, 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 no. And if it goes in front of a jury, that's fine. Because if I'm if I'm like if I'm fucked up, then I don't want to have to answer. I watched this deposition with this 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 fucking crooked pastor. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of this guy? Just His name is who is he? A- Apostle. I think it's like Apostle Mark. Taylor or something. I posted them on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. His answers were so terrible. He should have had you as his lawyer because he just wouldn't have answered anything. Anyway, it's not good um, to not answer, but but you have to show up to a deposition. That's the, that is the thing too, though. You got to show up. Yeah. So we'll have there. There's going to be it's going to be a videotape deposition. We're going to have that for you in a second. I'll probably do it on the next podcast. And there's some talk that maybe the the feds up there in New York who are looking into Trump will be looking very closely at the answers in his deposition to decide on whether or not they're going to bring charges. All we're talking all of this stuff and everybody has all of these theories. It's incredibly, incredibly uh, possible that Trump will be indicted and therefore ineligible to run for president in 2024. And if that case, if that's the case and people don't vote, he will have had taken the whole party down with him. So one can only hope. Um, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to take a break. We realized that we've started the podcast off with Trump and death. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're going to take a little break, cleanse our palate, rest in peace to Colin Powell. Fuck you to Donald Trump, as it always is. And we're going to be back on the other side of this. Okay, college football talk. College football talk, Rach. <laughs> I, I want to let you know something. I want to let you know something. For, I want to let you know, before we get into what's going on at LSU. I've been following Texas football but why, very, why, very why, why, intensely. Why? 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 Because you're you sick of following been, your team because you're not doing well? 
my team is doing exactly as well as Texas is. No. I know we're losing, That's, but you have to watch how we're losing. <laughs> which is worse. Uh, like my team is we're doing exactly. We're not getting exact- blown out. We have a new coach. We have a young quarterback. Who's blown out LSU? I don't know. I'm really not paying attention to LSU. UCLA. Well, the- UCLA, the game that was eleven points, and I would say that, I would say that we got blown out of Kentucky. But other than this, we just beat Florida. We just beat Florida at home, and while whereas Texas continues. By the way, Arkansas sucks. Just like I said, they would. They've lost. They're like they're terrible. Everything that you have said has been wrong on, on in this whole thing. I want you to. I want you to cop to it right here on this podcast. No, I'm not. Let me look at that. We're four and three. We just we, we like we just beat Florida. We got blown out of Kentucky. I'd say that we did get blown out of Kentucky. We lost to Auburn by like five. You know what I mean? We lost to Kentucky. We lost to UCLA. You guys continue to go up big on teams and then give it back. Oklahoma, fucking Oklahoma State is nuts. Meanwhile, we just beat the number 20 team at home. Ran through them, cut through them. Ty Davis Price, 287 yards rushing. Greatest performance in Tiger Stadium history. Despite all that, they fired the coach. Ed Ogeron is out now as the head coach of the LSU Tigers. Rachel, is this fair? Well, that's not for me to answer. Why not? You're a football fan. Like you, you know about this, the whole situation. So what what was, do you what think it's fair? What was Ed Ogeron's record as the head coach? He has, like a, he has like a uh, 73% winning percentage. And how many, and it's been, and this is the second year after Joe Burrow. Second so, year after Joe Burrow. So he has gone, I believe he is a, a nine and eight. He would have been since Joe Burrow left. We remember, just so people know, LSU had one of the greatest uh, college football seasons of all time in 2019, if not the greatest. And uh, after that, after that run, we have been mediocre since. We were five and five last year. We're four and three this year. So the, and, the, and a question was how much of it was Ed Ogeron? Or was, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because Joe Burrow was so great and you had other great players as well. So, um I, I mean, I think that was a question, especially because he came in as an interim coach and then he, you know, ended up getting mm-hmm. the head coaching job. I feel like there's something else going on. So it's hard for me to say, is this fair? Because even Coach O himself said he wished he knew what he did wrong. So I feel like it's more than just, oh, you're not winning games now because they have a totally different team than they had in 2019. So it's not really fair for them to for them to expect for him for him to perform the exact same he did in 2019. It's got to be a bit of a, you got to give time to rebuild. I would say, like at Texas, we at least give our coaches three years before we let them go. It's usually right. three years. Before they fail and go back to where they came you know, from. The I'm not going to play with words here. We just at least give Tom them three Herman, years, which makes me feel Charlie like Strong. there might have been other things that were going on because we even joked that Coach O has kind of had some off-the-field behavior. Mm-hmm. Things we showed some pictures on this podcast, so maybe yeah. there's more than meets the eye. Maybe they know something that's not public information, and it seems like they just thought it would be better to cut ties. I always think it's something way more serious when they cut ties with you in the middle of the season. They hmm. really want you to go. So this is my thing. There's a couple of things going on right here, right here, right now. Number one is I think that it was unf- it's unfair for people to say that it's not it wasn't due to Coach O that we had the run that we had in 2019. 
because Aww. I think I think I think it's unfair. Number one, mm-hmm. Coach O came in and coached really well uh, when he was an interim coach. Coach O recruited Joe Brady to LSU. I mean, excuse me, recruited. I'll talk to Joe, talk about Joe Brady in a second. He recruited Joe Burrow to LSU. Mm-hmm. The bond between Joe Burrow and and Coach O is a lot of the reason why we got him in the transfer po- portal from Ohio State, and they still have a close relationship to this day, right? Joe Burrow's first season at LSU, Joe Burrow played two seasons at LSU. Joe Burrow's first season at LSU, the numbers were not as prolific or as eye-popping. Obviously, he had the greatest season maybe ever for a college quarterback. It was incredible. Uh, but what happened was, after that season, at Ogeron, went out and got a guy named Joe Brady who had been on the Saints staff with Sean Payton down there and he became our passing game coordinator. That's a fantastic hire. Okay? A fantastic hire by him that ended up uh, helping Joe Burrow to find his form. Now, there were athletes everywhere. Everywhere there were athletes. Let's not get it twisted. There was Clyde Edwards Alaire. There was Jordan Jefferson. Uh, there was Jamar Chase. There's Thaddeus Moss all up and down the defensive line. You had true freshman Derek Stingley stepping in. You had guys. There were athletes everywhere. Don't get me wrong. It was a stacked team. But still, though, that team was put. You had Dave Aranda as the uh, the defensive coordinator. A lot of the, a lot of what had happened there was Coach O making good hires and. Coach O adapting LSU to a modern style of football after Les Miles was gone. So he definitely made some decisions as the head coach of the team that got LSU to the point that they did. He sounds like a great quarterbacks coach. He sounds like a great recruiter. He is. He Well, he's not a quarterbacks coach. He's a, more of a no, defensive no, no, line no, coach. No, but you see what I'm saying? As, well, he, as opposed to being a head coach and managing the whole team, it seems like he's he was great as a recruiter. And he was great with nurturing him as a as a great quarterback, like a quarterback well, coach. So Joe Brady probably nurtured him more. But yeah, you're right. The thing about Ogeron is he is one of the best recruiters in the country. What happened is something that happens to a lot of people is like, can you handle success? Mm. Like Nick Saban, Nick Saban does that. Then Nick Saban goes, he smiles for like six hours. And then the six hours after that is back to football. If people had a knock on Coach O, the knock would be that, Coach O started getting it. Okay. <laughs> we talked about it here. Coach O started getting it. All right. There was reports that have come out. All of these reports that came out that didn't co- that didn't come out while he was the coach of LSU about how much he was getting it. Apparently, there's a report that he tried to hit on a high-ranking LSU official's pregnant wife oh. at a gas station in Baton Rouge. No. Walked up to her. Yeah, that's what they say. They say he walked up to her and went, hey, no, looks like you work out. Where are these reports? They're in the the Advocate in Baton Rouge's newspaper. Coach O was out. They say Coach O was out here getting it. You know what I mean? And so and then another another report said that he let his girlfriend's kids participate in practice. (laughs) Like they would be out there running around doing drills with the kids. Now, what I don't understand about the media down there, I'm not going to be critical of the, the Baton Rouge media, but all of these things are coming out after the announcement that Ogeron and LSU are parting ways. Seems a little convenient to me that 
the man is gone now, and then people are looking at, look what we have to do. There's a new AD there, Scott Woodward. Scott Woodward did not handle, did not hire Ogeron. People see a brand of LSU football on the field that until this past week doesn't look like us. We couldn't run the ball. We were soft on both lines. That's not something that we're used to seeing. Talent is everywhere, but we can't impose ourselves. Doesn't look like us. People wanted LSU football back, and I think that they thought getting rid of Ogeron was the best way. I didn't know y'all got a new AD. The writing was on the wall. Yeah. That's exactly what happened to Mac Brown. I guarantee mm. you that was part of the deal with him coming in. You got to get rid of Coach O. He's got to go. That was bullshit, though, with Mac Brown. Gotta go. It was. That was bullshit. It was. It really was. Because with Mac Brown, he was at the recruiting dinner that night, there to recruit the guys. 80s introducing him, talking about how fantastic he is. And the next morning, Mac Brown doesn't show up in the morning for breakfast because they have fired him. Yeah. And by the way, Texas hadn't been right since they fired Mac Brown. Mike, Mac Brown is the Sealy of Texas. And he's over there doing it in North Carolina. They all right. Okay. He's, North Carolina did well last year. They, this year, though, the whole fucking ACC is trash besides Wake Forest and, the, and NC State's okay. But, like, they, they all right. They, they did. They, we thought they would be better this year than they actually were. But he's put a hex on Texas until you do right by me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Until you do right by me, you ain't going to prosper. We'll see what Sarkeesian is able to do. We'll see what Sarkeesian is able to do. But look, uh, there's a, a lot of LSU fans got what they wanted this weekend. So they beat Florida. Oh, uh, yes. Brian was upset. And they beat Florida. Oh, I forgot. Oh. Brian was upset. Ran, oh, he better be lucky I didn't remember that. Ran the ball <laughs> down their throats. Uh yeah, but were you, were you gonna ask who's what? Who's the interim coach? No interim. He's gonna finish out the year. Real? Okay, mm-hmm. that sucks. Why? Why couldn't they wait till the end of the year to announce it? Why would you? That come on, we gotta agree on this one. Why would you let a man know that he has no job at the end of the year? What motivation do I have? I mean, maybe the kids. But what motivation do I have to do so well other than to, what, in your face? I, y'all shouldn't have fired me. I'm actually a fantastic coach. I'm going to go on and get another job. I just don't understand. I've never, I, I mean, I guess it has happened, but I'm just not used to that. Let the man go. Bring somebody else up. If he's that terrible where you know you don't want him into the next season, why are you going to continue to let him coach, what, six more games? So there are a couple of reasons why. Number one, it would look super wild after LSU played as hard as they did against Florida for an interim coach to be taking us to the next week. For, He's secondly, we fired. don't really. Secondly, we don't really have an interim coach. That's like we don't reason. have any. Like we don't have anyone who realistically could step up and occupy the space for the rest of the year. There's not a clear cut interim coach. Thirdly. I think it is better for him to coach out the year. He's owed $17 million. There's going to be a $17 million buyout of Ed Ogeron. So he's owed money. And also, if he wants to continue, he never has to coach again if he doesn't want to. I'd be wild. If if Ed Ogeron does want another coaching job, though, probably won't be at a Power 5 school coming off of what just happened at LSU. Not not a a top-tier Power 5 school. But if he does want another coaching job and we – I mean, we're not going to be Alabama, but if we were to win some big games down the stretch, he clearly hasn't lost his locker room. They play very hard for him. It will look great for him. It does put him in a better situation right now to coach the team out and have some success. Maybe we go to a bowl game. Maybe we win. Maybe the entire year is capped off by an Ed Ogeron Gatorade shower. And if that happens, then it's easier for him to get a job. He's, he's going to wild out. 
he was wilding while he was employed. Now, no strings attached, knowing that I'm going to still get my $17 million? The, kid, yeah. the kids are going to be throwing passes. Maybe. That's what's going to happen might, now. They're going to be calling plays. If I'm in Ogeron, I'll go ahead and offer a couple of the kids just for fun. <laughs> just for fun. I mean, fuck it. They already put it out there after you got fired or after they let you go about the antics. So just fucking go crazy now. Offer a couple of these kids. See if, like, you know, tell, tell, go up there right now after the next game. Well, uh, you know, uh, one of my girlfriend's kids, he's got very fluid hips. He gets out of his bricks. Very, very good. You know, I look at him. I say, there's a tiger. There's someone that we can use. There's someone that we can have. That's a real tiger. He's uh, six years old. I've given him a full scholarship to LSU uh, 2035. Go Tigers. You know, go ahead. Go, go ahead and do the whole thing. Ed. I hate do your it. impression. I hate your Coach O impression. <laughs> That's my Coach O impression. I love him. All right. Uh, in other sports news. Now, I'm going to give you a choice. This is Rachel's choice. We got Rachel's choice. Do you want to do the Nike guy? No. You don't want to <laughs> do the Nike guy? <laughs> or do you want to do Pat Mahomes' brother? Uh, I can't stand Pat Mahomes' brother. <laughs> why, the, why, what? That's the only reason <laughs> I put it on the rundown. Wait, what, okay, can you can you help me understand this? I didn't know about this. I, I have a friend who's a friend of his. Shout out to Kayla. But like, why do people, what's, what is it with Patrick Mahomes' brother? I'm completely in the dark about Patrick Mahomes' brother. Like, what is the thing? I hate, I know. I, <laughs> I don't even know how I came across him. I think I was shocked. I was like, that's Patrick Mahomes' brother. He's mm-hmm. just this quote TikTok social media star, and he's always dancing. Not that much rhythm, if you ask me, but he's just like extremely dramatic and he taunts people and he goes after other people's girlfriends on social media and he's challenging people and he's like flaunting what he has. It's really not his, it's his brother's. And he's just like this obnoxious social media star. So, him. Doing what he did at the Washington football versus Kansas City Chiefs game is right in line to his to how he acts on social media. Okay. I can't stand them. So let's talk about this. There are people that are saying the younger Mahomes, Jackson Mahomes, danced on Sean Taylor's number during the Washington football team game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, for our listeners who might not know who Sean Taylor is, Sean Taylor was an absolute force of nature as a football player, both in Miami and then for the Washington football team, who was tragically killed in a home invasion some years ago. One of the biggest, biggest sad stories in the history of sports. One day, this player that we all love, this guy who's absolutely unstoppable, some people broke into his home. He tried to attack, fend them off, I think, with a machete. With a got shot in the thigh. He bled out. They hit the femoral artery. So the death of Sean Taylor, just an unspeakable tragedy. Um, interestingly enough, the Washington football team waited until this week mm-hmm. to retire Sean Taylor's number, which is something that is very, very, very overdue. It makes you wonder why they chose this week when they're in the eye of the hurricane to actually do so. Mm-hmm. I digress. Mm-hmm. But he was in an area that I guess was chained off. Maybe that's where I have some inside information on this. And what I've what I've been told was that that was the area in which 
people were told to stand. Jackson Mahomes was told to stand there. And so while he was dancing, he wasn't conscious that he was dancing on Sean Taylor's number. He just was dancing and putting it on TikTok. And then people, you're shaking your head. No, you're not fucking buying this for a second. They might have been putting people over there, which is a problem in itself, which just shows like you already rushed the fact that you're retiring his number, which again is long overdue if you are a Sean Taylor fan. But then you do do it and then you have the opposing team standing in the section on top of his number. I that that's that's a whole nother issue. But was anybody else dancing and doing TikToks? In the area, maybe I should also blame the person who was filming him because they weren't self-aware enough to, to say, hey, look what you're doing and where you're doing it. But I just I, let's just say let's just say we believe Jackson Mahomes and let's just say because he, he put out a he put out he put he put out a statement. He said we were directed to stay in that area. I meant absolutely no disrespect to him or his family. That's what he said. OK, let's just say that that's true. That he didn't realize where he was. <laughs> it was a chained off area. You can see the 21 there. This has been one of the big topic topics of conversation this week. You were at their home field. There was an entire ceremony where he, he was being honored and his family was there. And you didn't realize the area that you were standing in. You didn't get it. To me, I mean, if, if, if I do choose to believe him, then it, to me, it just shows how self-absorbed you are, that there's this whole world going on around you and you have no idea because you got to put up your 30 second TikTok dance for likes and comments. I just it just to me, I, I just maybe I just just hate the generation of just being so self-absorbed that you don't even know what's going on, which to me is just as big of a problem. OK, you weren't doing it on purpose. You were doing it because you were concerned about yourself rather than what was going on and honoring the life of Sean Taylor. And maybe I'm a little sensitive because I'm a big Sean Taylor fan, big, big, big Sean Taylor fan. But if you follow Jackson Mahomes and you don't really know it, you really weren't aware of anything about him. He is known for taunting other teams, for throwing water on fans, for, you know, like for, for doing things on social media for attention. And so to me, this falls in line with, with what he does. I see that here. I see that he tossed water on on uh, on Baltimore Ravens fans. I see that on that. I don't know anything about Jackson Mahomes. I've seen Kayla in pictures with Jackson Mahomes before, but I, don't, I didn't know that he was this kind of type of menace. That he was a menace. He's an he's, he's, he's a, an e thug. He's an e thug. Wait a minute, All right. You're saying that <laughs> Jackson Mahomes is an ether. You called him a menace, and I'm saying an electronic menace. An electronic, an electronic menace. Yeah, like he's big and bad behind his TikTok or, you know, behind his social media presence. That's his thing. That's his identity. He's a social media star. So, like, to me, it's hard for me to gather that he didn't know what he was doing. But if he didn't, then he's just so into his own self that he couldn't see what was happening around him, which I don't know, which one do you think is worse? But when I saw which this story, one is worse? when I saw this story, I was just like, again, if again. I was, if I was, Patrick, you hate Jackson Mahomes. So look at you, your Mahomes, face. I would be so embarrassed by my brother. Like, what do you do other than Jesus. 30, these 30 second, 15 second TikTok videos. I don't, I just, I, I just, I'm annoyed by him. Sorry, I'm annoyed. It's a personal thing. 
I just hate that. Yeah. I hate all of that. All of that. Right. The whole thing. You, you, you shouldn't ever be embarrassed by family. Ever. I don't think you should ever be embarrassed by family. <laughs> okay. <laughs> are, you, are you embarrassed by some of your family? I, you have family that you're embarrassed by? Not that I would ever be embarrassed to bring around. No. But like they might mm -hmm. do something that I'm like, okay, that's a little embarrassing. But I love all my family. Yeah. But I, if, I don't if, ever, if I had a Jackson Mahomes family, I'd be like, oh. and my family, I'd be like, I would at least be like, cut that shit out. See, not me. If I had a Jackson Mahomes in my family, I put them I put them on a bigger stage. I mean, not nothing disrespectful to Sean Taylor or nothing like that, but I would hope not. I see, but I put them on an even bigger stage. It's like, hey, hey, come over here. Piss them off some more. Get them. Get them, Jackson Lathan. Get him. Dance <laughs> that little throw, throw it up. Catch just, it. Just, just uh, go do go the little reindeer dance. It's just yeah, obnoxious I'll, I'll to me. You know, like you're cool because your brother's cool. You know what I mean? I don't know. Oh, God damn it. There's so many people like that, though. Maybe there are. And na I'll name, yeah. name them. Give me a name. I'll name them, too. Let's see. Naming <laughs> people that are. <laughs> but shame on the person who was actually recording that TikTok, too. Because you should have been. Shame on everyone. You should have been aware that he was, you know, doing whatever dance on top of Sean Taylor's. And right. the dance was a little disrespectful too. He threw it up, he catched it, and then he put like he was putting somebody's head down near his crotchal area. Let me tell you something. Just people are talking about to be over twenty one. People, look, I can't say that he was doing that on purpose on the on the on the thing. I can say he did it on the thing, and so you know, people are upset. People are talking about how how he might not be invited back to D.C. anymore. The real place that he has to watch his ass isn't D.C. It's Miami. Oh yeah. In the real place where somebody might catch Jackson Mahomes lacking is not D.C. Shout out to everybody in D.C. I'm not saying that D.C. ain't with it. D.C. is with it and they love Sean Taylor and they love their football team. But in Miami, Sean Taylor is an institution, legend, part of the Miami legend. Jackson, make sure you get those apologies out and straight before you get down there to Miami. I know a lot of TikTokers like to go down there and ride those little funny little motorcycles, whatever they are, those little, <laughs> you know, those little bikes. But uh, just be careful, Jackson. Be careful. And everybody, to Rachel's point, know where you at. Just know where you at, Jackson. Know where you yeah. at. Yeah. Uh, you like Hooters? You like to go there? Uh, no. I used to. The food is terrible. That's not true. Yes, it is. Nobody goes to Hooters for the food. That's not true at all. The wings are terrible. And that's what the I like wings to eat. Wings are terrible. And at Hooters are terrible. And that's what I like to eat. And I'm and I am a wings aficionado. Aficionado. That. That's what you meant to say. Yeah. <laughs> that's aficionado. Wait a minute. So you you you're <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so wait a minute wait a minute you're telling me that the wings at hooters suck you I, don't like the wings i don't like them you used to love them i used to go to hooters because i just like the ambiance like i like to go mm -hmm. and watch a game there and stuff so like i'm not against hooters i have friends that work through hooters so you know like i like we have a section we have a good time but not for the food just for like it's fun. It was I, fun to go to Hooters. I used to go to Hooters and get the food to go. 
like not even even stay in the restaurant. Like I like the wings at Hooters so much no. that I would go. I would go and get the. And by the way, I like the Hooters wings. I like the Hooters wings with no sauce on them. They're the best. Like literally, just the wings, no sauce, just like the regular wings. You dip them in ranch. You dip them in the cheese. You got the fries. I like. I love Hooters. Hooters over there on Hollywood. Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, like Hollywood near Hollywood Highland, that was mm-hmm. my little joint. I used to go over there. I loved Hooters. That's how you know they're not good because you don't want the sauce on them. I don't like wings with sauce as much. Mm. I like I like just plain fried or baked chicken wings. Mm. I don't like all of that messy getting your fingernails and shit like that. Well, I don't like all that dumbass shit. Fuck that shit. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, Hooters waitresses are are very upset. <laughs> they uh, they got bottoms and the bottoms are too skimpy. And now Hooters has said that they, they are re- reversing their recent mandate that the female servers trade in their already short shorts for a new skin tight bikini cut bottom. So if you guys have seen the girls in the Hooters shorts already, um, they had gone with a different short, a short that was more like a bikini short all right, that you were going to have to wear there at Hooters. The girls, the Hooters girls went to TikTok and they complained about it. And so people then, the Hooters, I guess, then got this and they changed it and they can go back to the old, barely disrespectful bottoms and not the fully disrespectful bottoms that they are now. A lot of people had a lot of thoughts on this, on the Instagram, about a place that obviously sells sex about women that are selling the sex being upset that they're selling too much of the sex. What are your thoughts? Well, well, here was my question and maybe I just missed this. Was the, were the new uniforms optional or mandatory? It was a mandate. Well, then there's the problem. Like if you gave these women the option, obviously, yes, going to part of Hooters is, I mean, the place is called Hooters and it's, it's about, there is a certain uniform and you even see people, it's iconic. People even dress up as Hooters girls for Halloween and stuff. So there's a part of it that we get, but then to force them to dress even more, I guess, revealing isn't fair. Now, if you give them the option and some women want to do that, then the other women can do what they signed up for. But I think to force that upon them where they have to dress a certain way, I think that that's a little ridiculous. And I think it's ridiculous for people to say, well, you work for this type of establishment where sex sells or where you're dressed in revealing clothes. So what's what's wrong with dress, dressing even more revealing? I don't think that that's fair. And I think, especially if it's mandatory, I don't think it's fair. When they signed up to work for Hooters, they didn't sign up to dress in that uniform. And now that you're requiring them to reveal themselves even more when that's not what they signed up for and they could possibly lose their job just because they're not selling sex the way that you want to and that's not what they signed up for. That's a problem. So if it's mandatory, that's ridiculous and I have a problem with that. So I think that people, you know, as the misogyny jumped out of me when I first saw this, I'm like, huh, I mean, what, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you, what are you doing? And then I had a conversation with a friend. I mean, not, I wasn't like, what are you talking about? I was like, if I'm for, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. So if you don't want to wear a new uniform, don't wear a new uniform. Like if you're, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Like do whatever. But a part of me was like, it's Hooters. Like, you know what you're doing, like why you're into it. And then a friend of mine mentioned something to me. Back in the day in Baton Rouge, like Baton Rouge doesn't have fully nude strip clubs. 
They don't get all the way nude. All right. You got to leave your bottoms on. It's topless only. And we knew girls back in the day that were like, hey, I'm dancing here because it's that way. For a lot of women that we knew, a lot of women, we knew a lot of girls back in the day that worked in these clubs, me and the whole player proof crew, they would say if it was fully nude, they couldn't do it. There's like a they line. They could not, sh- there was a line. And at first, as kids, as young men, we were like, how could there be a line? You got your titties out. You're jiggling it. You're shaking it. How could there be a line? And they're like, uh, it's my line. It's not your line. There are certain parts of my body that I just don't want to share. There you go. Hooters is a restaurant, but maybe it's not a thong around. Exactly. Because this new uniform was basically a thong. So I'm not tripping. I will tell you one thing, though. What? Hooters, this, this tells me Hooters ain't going to survive. Because? It's just not going to survive. Uh, places like Hooters, the restaurant. The restaurant is going to be because think when you think about it, Hooters is gone in Hollywood. Hooters in Burbank is gone. Yeah, just, a lot of, it's because the food's not good. It's not because of the food's not good. It's because <laughs> I love the food. I think it's because that entire thing. I don't think that whole thing's got got, got a long shelf life. What else do they have? I they have Twin all, Peaks. Twin Peaks. They have Twin Peaks. They got Hooters. They got a couple of other places like that. Twin Peaks is the only one I can think about yeah, off the cuff right now. Dames and Games is is one that they have here in LA. But I, I think that only in the South are places like that going to be surviving going forward. Why the South? Major, they don't give a fuck in the South. <laughs> in the South, they don't care about your woke bullshit. They're just like, come in here, show your ass so I can wash the wings. In the South, it's probably... They don't give a fuck. They don't care. Okay? It's going to take a while for them to care about people. Well, well, fucking quit then. You know, go work at a regular restaurant. Because that's what people were saying. People were saying, hey, if you went and worked at a regular restaurant, your tips would be lower, but you wouldn't be showing your butt and your breasts. Is Hooters dated? Do you care? Is is Hooters exploiting women, period? It's hard for me to say that. Because that's like saying it's strip clubs exploiting women. If women choose, if women want to work and wear that type of uniform and they want to serve, it's who am I to say? It's judgy for me to be like, well, they should close those down. Well, if those women want to work there and they like doing that, then good for them. Mm. And like I said, I had a a lot of friends in college who worked at Hooters. Mm. All right. Uh, There's something that's going on that we are going to hopefully have somebody on the podcast uh, Friday to talk about. It is a movement to grant clemency to a man named Julius Jones. Uh, Julius Jones is someone on death watch right now uh, in Oklahoma. Uh, Julius has been awaiting execution since he was convicted of killing a man uh, in 1999. Okay. Um, The Oklahoma pardon and parole board voted to commute his sentence, but he is uh, awaiting a clemency hearing right now. The governor down there in uh, Oklahoma has said he won't take any action on this until after the hearing. The supporters of Julius Jones, some who I know very dearly, claim and claim that they can produce very clear evidence that Julius Jones was falsely accused and equipped with inadequate lawyers during this entire thing. They say that an innocent man uh, is, is being put to death, is going to be put to death. Here's the thing. This is a very important distinction. 
They're not asking for simply Julius Jones to avoid the the death penalty and be and get life in prison. They're asking for Julius Jones's release. They do not believe that Julius Jones did the things that he uh, was convicted for doing. Okay. Julius Jones, whose story has been told across the nation now, is a serious story of a gentleman who's been locked up for over 19 years for something not only he did not commit, but wasn't even at when it happened. That comes from Tiffany Dina Lofton with the Grassroots Law Project. All right, we're not going to delve into the story too deeply right now, but we are going to say that we were supposed to have members of the family on this podcast today. Scheduling precluded us from doing that, but we will attempt to get those same members of the family and legal uh, defense team on the podcast for Thursday so they can clearly state the case of Julius Jones to our listening audience. And you guys can make the decision whether or not you want to get on board with stopping this man's execution and possibly securing his freedom. All right. The guy who died in this situation, his name is Paul Howell. Julius Jones supporters say that they want justice for Paul Howell more than anything, which is the reason why they don't want the wrong man killed for it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have that coming for you uh, at the end of the week. And even if we don't have somebody from uh, the family on, we'll have someone with some type of knowledge. We're going to work real hard to bring this to you to make sure that a life isn't extinguished uh, falsely and wrongly. Okay. So I, I, we encourage you that between the time uh, that I'm speaking now until the time that we're speaking at the end of the week, that you familiarize yourself with the case and really ask yourself the questions that need to be asked before the state sets to execute someone. Um, now, there's another trial that we were talking about, the trial of Ahmaud Arbery. Now, we haven't talked about uh, Ahmad as much. It seems as if the uh, motion or the, uh, how can I say, the momentum behind both Breonna Taylor and, of course, George Floyd somewhat muted the story of Ahmaud Arbery. But you might remember this was the young man who was running out there in Georgia and who had some people roll up on him and kill him. All caught on video. It was one of the killings that at first was not being prosecuted by the officials down there in the time where he lived. Uh, but after public pressure, and the video went viral. There were able to be some arrests made. And now there are going to be some people that are going to be put on trial for the killing of Ahmaud Arbery. Um, this is a big, big moment uh, for Georgia. It's a big, big moment for America. And what are your reservations or your thoughts going into this situation, Rachel? I mean, well, I will say that I don't think we've lost necessarily momentum for Ahmaud Arbery. I think that, okay. you know, sadly with Breonna Taylor, they have chosen not to move forward with that case. Um, and then with Chauvin, you know, we saw that we saw that play out. But with Ahmaud Arbery, you know, this has been working its way through the system. And now we're here where we're about to start trial. And I, I'm hopeful and I, but I'm also very nervous because I've been hopeful before, and I'm particularly thinking of Trayvon Martin, where I thought it was a shoe in. I really did. And maybe at that age, I didn't necessarily understand stand your ground and how difficult that was to overcome in the state of Florida. But I'm, I'm hopeful because not just because of the attention that's been brought to this case, but because of certain things that have happened surrounding it. I mean, you couldn't even have, there was not a hate crime. There was no hate crime legislation prior to Ahmaud Arbery. And because of what happened to him, it's passed. That makes me hopeful. 
the a district attorney who was originally on this, who was protecting the very guy who murdered Ahmaud Arbery has been removed from the case. And now she's facing her own criminal charges. So when, Jackie I, Johnson. when I see things like that, it makes me hopeful that, okay, maybe something will happen where these men will be convicted and whatever, whatever conviction they get, not just a conviction, but you know, life, I don't even know if there's a death penalty. I'm not sure of all that, but life in prison. Um, so I, that th so when I see things like that, I'm like, okay, things that have never been done before are happening. What I'm hoping too is that, again, we talked about this multiple times. Like, sadly, the one thing that we need back is Ahmaud Arbery and we can't get him back. So just, justice is not going to be served in that sense. But there are a lot of people paying attention to this because, you know, it can be something where it's like when we come together as a community, when we fight for legislation to change, when we fight for problematic, when the in, things that are problematic with the system, like with Jackie Johnson, who was, you know, harboring a criminal basically and protecting him. And now she's facing her own criminal charges. When it brings light to the fact that all these things are connected, the, the prosecutor or the district attorney in this case, the former police officer, there have been other people that have recused themselves, judges for working on this case. It's so very connected. Then maybe it'll highlight issues within the system with the grand jury, the DA's office and police officers and how they all work together, but can all work against you and getting holding these people accountable when they commit these crimes. Mm. Well said. The three men are Travis McMichael, 35, Gregory McMichael, 65, and another will, neighbor, William Bryant, 52. State charges, including murder, false imprisonment and aggravated assault. They chased Arbery in pickup trucks and shot him to death. You know how I feel about this. I've told you guys how I feel about this. Uh, Ahmad is dead. And I don't know about the, uh, I don't know about the, the sort of deterrent that these types of, of, of criminal uh, cases provide. Like, is this really a deterrent to people doing other things like this? The, all, the only thing that I know is this is all we can do. Yeah. This is all we can do. You know, all we can do is hope that there is some sort of uh, closure for the families and that closure might never come uh, emotionally or spiritually, but it can come legally, I suppose. Suppose the people that are responsible for it uh, could, could could get their comeuppance. You said something while you were talking. Are you are you a pro death penalty person particularly? No. Would you have a problem with the death penalty in this case? <laughs> no, it's so. I mean, am I a hypocrite if I say some people should get it and some people shouldn't? I guess I just feel like I, I am against the death penalty. I will say that. But when I see a video of what happened and the way that Ahmaud Arbery was hunted down. Yeah, I kind of think that you should get the death penalty. I'm sorry. I, I, it's and, you know, you can call me a hypocrite for saying it applies in some cases. In some cases, it doesn't. But. They hunted him down like an animal. I can't get the image of the video out of my head. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean. I just don't think you deserve to be here. Sorry. Yeah. I, I know. I, I can't. I can't get with the death penalty. Yeah. In, in any. Yeah. I can't. Get, I understand. I can't get with the death penalty, but I get it. I get it. I, I, I get it. Like it's 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 tough. The death penalty is uh, it's just one of those no goes for me. You know, I get just it. the state. Yeah, it's just one of those no goals for me. All right, listen, 
you guys, we got to talk about Stacey Dash before we get out of here. Okay, so Stacey has been Stacey has been working pretty hard, and this is going to test our empathy. All right, okay, Rach, 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 Rach. I'm not an empathetic person. It's time to it's time to have a little. I actually am. I'm just it's kidding. time. It's time. It's time to see if we have the empathy going on here in the higher learning. Higher learning empathy time. Stacey Dash has announced that she's sober after a decade long battle with opioids. Okay, she talked Dr. Oz. She said she fought to overcome her addiction to opioids for over a decade. I just celebrated five years of sobriety. Stacey Dash said during the October fourteenth episode. Both her parents struggled with drug addictions of their own. Her mother introduced her to cocaine when she was just 16 years old. Mm. Mama was out here mm. getting it. And she said she was able to heal from the trauma she was exposed to throughout childhood. She said in this five years, my blessing, my greatest blessing is that I have been able to not only be honest with myself and become a better person, but I've been able to understand my parents and what they did and that they did love me and that they were just doing the best they could and explained that they were just sick and they were addicted. She said she was taking 18 to 20 Vicodin pills per day. Damn. She was really, really clueless. Had to do it. Uh, uh, so Stacey Dash, of course, we know has been a vicious opponent of what I would say the black consciousness is not to pigeonhole black people into one consciousness, but Stacey Dash has done the work, in my opinion, of Fox News mm-hmm. and far right people. She was a Trump supporter the whole nine. So black Twitter kicked her in the ass when she talked about this. Yeah. Rach, are you choosing empathy with Stacey Dash? Of course, because okay. I'm looking at the timeline. She's been mm-hmm. sober for five years. Mm. Okay, so she got sober in two th- since 2016. Mm. Since then, she's been showing her ass when it comes to other things mm. when she was sober. So, of course, <laughs> but b- besides all that, of course, I'm going to have empathy for anybody who's struggling. I don't know what that is. I cannot imagine that at 16 years old or eight years old trying drugs and, and, and the person who's bringing that into my life is my mother, the person who's supposed to I'm supposed to trust and who's supposed to protect me and keep me safe. I cannot even imagine what that is starting at such a young age and then having to kick that, you know, and struggling through all the other things that she went through and using that as a coping mechanism. I have no idea what that is like. And I, and I, my heart goes out to her and I really, really do empathize with her. And I'm proud of her for one, getting sober, but then two, being able to admit that to the public, putting yourself out there in such a vulnerable way where people can, you know, like have their opinions on you and judge you when you're, when you've already been so hard on yourself, judging yourself. So of course, of course, did I do a good job? You did a great <laughs> job. I mean every single thing that I say, but I'm not going to sit here and ignore how problematic she's been. She was sober when she was problematic these years, doing all these things for Fox and having these, you know, saying these crazy things and being the face of black people for Fox News and Trump and whoever else. She was sober when she was doing all of that. OK, so it doesn't excuse that type of behavior, but I'm proud of her that she's been able to overcome so much. So guess what I'm choosing? And I'm not going to make this long because I can be long winded sometimes. But guess what I'm choosing? I'm choosing none of the above. 
I'm not choosing empathy, which is great that a lot of people are choosing. And I'm not choosing vitriol. I'm choosing none of the above. Well, that's safe. I'm, well, it's not that it's safe. It's the only thing I can do. Mm-hmm. It's actually my most honest choice, and I'll tell you why. Tell me why. I can't, man. You can't. I can't. I can't care. Oh. I, I can't. I want to, but Rachel, I can't care. I can't. Like I tell you, I, I tell you the thing that that really made me not be able to care. What? George Floyd. So George Floyd died. And he had fentanyl in the system, right? Mm-hmm. Did the right or anyone give George Floyd the benefit of the doubt that maybe he was an addict, maybe he was a, 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 a someone who had a substance abuse problem, maybe he was somebody who uh, in some way needed help? No, they took his addiction and they used it to demonize him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, of course he did this. Of course he did these things. Of course the, the, these things happened to him. Because look at him. He's a big fentanyl addicted fucking uh, criminal. And every single time any human frailty is shown, they weaponize it. They say, hey, look at what a shitty person this person is. Mm-hmm. But then when Rush Limbaugh or Stacey Dash, or someone from their side. And when I say their side, I mean the side of the evil empire. I'm not fucking around. When they have an addiction problem, it's, oh my God, we treat this person as a human being, and blah, 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 which is the right thing to do. Which is the right thing to do. That's the right thing to do. I'm just choosing none of the above. I don't like it. I don't hate it. Cool. I don't need to hear about it. You played your hand. You have a lot to do as far as I'm concerned. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, to get back to the point to where I care about you. It's not that I wish ill for you. It's just that I don't care. I I, I really don't care. None of the above. You're In indifferent. Totally. Okay. And and that's been and and that's wrong. It, 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 it's it's I'm wrong because I know I'm gonna get beat up. People are gonna be like, "Fan, that's even like he's cold." No, I'm wrong. I'm totally wrong. I just don't fucking care. Like it is cool. I don't even know. I don't even know why you wasn't on there two years ago talking about you need help, nigga. You like you was two like a couple of years. You know. You know what? Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Not everybody. I mean, she was sober then, but it's a whole nother step to be able to tell everybody because you really don't have to be. You don't have to tell everybody about your past. She didn't have to tell people that. She's just trying to get back. Remember, she came out. She apologized. She said she's not angry no more. She's trying to five years. No, you're I ain't holding her five years. She's been sober. okay, and she's been extremely problematic over these last five years. And that had nothing to do with her addiction. That's how she really feels. She's been sober for five years. All I'm saying is this. I don't wish nothing bad on you. I don't. You just don't care. Don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Is it okay not to care before we go? Is it okay? I think that it's fair not to care, you know? <gasps> I didn't even That's realize that. That's one of our slogans. Higher learning slogan. It's fair not to care. It is. Go it's ahead, fair. put that and officiant 
Annika. <laughs> Officiant Annika. <laughs> All right. Van's very serious question of the week. Are you ready for it? You got it? one. Yes. Yeah. Are you ready for it ready. right now? It's it's only. So this is okay. So this is Van's very serious question of the week, inspired by the Ed Ogeron no. situation. Inspired by the Ed Ogeron okay. situation. All right. Would you rather have one moment of all time greatness? Hmm. Or when I say all time greatness, I mean like the greatest ever, the best ever, the top of the top. Like, Would you like rather a have national championship, like one moment? So but not just a national championship, but maybe the national championship. Okay, okay, okay. Like the best like, game ever. Okay. Or like the best, or maybe you have like a, even like a five year NBA career where you average like forty. You know, like even, but that's a moment compared to a whole career, right? Okay. Would you rather have one moment of the greatest of the great of the great, or a whole career of pretty good? <laughs> well, if the moment is five years of forty plus points, it's more than a moment. Okay, so well, you can't really compare it in terms of of that, right? Would you? I'm asking. Just basically, would you rather have like a moment, like being on, you know, the greatest basketball team ever, or like a the, a, mo a moment of the greatest accomplishment ever, where people are going to remember it forever. Okay, or that's a whole easy career for me. of pretty good. That's easy. Okay, what is it? I, it's the first, the former. I want to be affiliated with greatness. I want people because greatness stands the test of time. People will be talking about it. Your moment has passed. You've passed along. People are still going to be talking about that. It becomes iconic. They memorialize it and your name lives on. It's attached to that. If you're pretty good, you're one of many and there'll be others that will come along and you'll soon be forgotten or you'll be forgotten by those other great moments or great things. There you go. Rachel Lindsay loves Coach Ed whoa, whoa, Ogeron. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Matt, if we were talking about Matt Brown, hey, that's greatness. Uh, well, let me tell you something. Uh, I, I tell you what, we we got somebody. She, she, her name is Rachel Lindsay. <laughs> she does uh, the Higher Learning podcast. And there's one thing the buck stops with me. Uh, the responsibility lies with me. I'm the coach. Rachel Lindsay says that she would rather be me than be Mac Brown. Go Tigers. Uh, I, do the thing. You're doing it Hide too wives. well. Like, <laughs> it's like, you know, how'd your wives, how'd your girlfriends, how the children of your girlfriends and your wives is the coach starts with me. Uh, go, go Tigers. I know what the expectations is like to be LSU head coach, Coach Ogeron. See you, coach. We really, I, we, I will coach tell you this. In seven, six or seven games. Six or seven games. Look, uh, they still playing hard. They're going to play harder. This is about to be a fun back half of the season for LSU, I promise you. It's about to be a fun. And by the way, thank you to Coach Ed Ogeron. Thank you to Derek Pabansky. Thank you to everyone who brought 2019 to LSU because it was the most unforgettable college football experience ever. Unforgettable. 15-0. Greatest offense ever. The Heisman Trophy. It was nobody could even halfway fuck with us. No, like, no Texas was undefeated when they won the national championship game. Not like this, though. No, there's no not like this. They were undefeated when they won the national championship game. Mm -mm, and they came like back. 
They will be our game. Like you want to talk about great moments? The Texas-USC uh-huh. game is one of the all-time greatest college football games ever. Even right, because above, the underdog, even above because 2019 the, LSU championship. Uh, Sorry. No, the game itself maybe, but our team, is the Texas team is in no way competitive with what the LSU team Stop. Did. Stop. Stop. Rachel, Rachel, Stop. Rachel. Seriously? Yes, you seriously. I'm going to be honest with you. Seriously. So, let, so, so can, can I run down the resume? You want me to run down the resume of LSU? So 2018? LSU, Go ahead. Yeah, L, LSU beat I think it was five top 10 teams or something like that, maybe even more when it was over. And most of them, by 15 points or more, they were the most dominant thing that has ever. LSU beat Clemson, beat the brakes off Clemson, beat Alabama on the road, fucked over Texas on the road, beat Georgia destroyed them in the SEC championship game. These are all teams, I don't know about Texas, that ended up ranked in the poll at the end of the year. Florida went through the whole, nobody got even close to them. They were perfect. So were perfect. we. No, you weren't. I mean, the Texas said, like, we were you guys, you, and you, we were you the guys underdogs. Were, so come on. Look, there, there were a lot of teams, to be honest with you, that have gone undefeated. Okay. A lot of teams have gone undefeated. Okay. The LSU 2019 team. You know what? This is the Vans Very Serious <laughs> Question of the Week. Forget about that. The Vans Very Serious Question of the Week is which team will let people vote? Which team was better? The LSU 2019 National Championship team. Which run was better? The LSU 2019 champion, National Championship run or the Texas 2005 team? I'm not even going to keep team. having this argument with you. I'm going to let Vince Young come cool. on and just make the argument for me because I but, can't no, give you all the stats. This, Vets, let, let me ask you a question. Who started at wide receiver for Texas that year? Um, I think it was Cedric. Well, no, no, no. Wait, sorry. Cedric Griffin was running back. I mean, uh, Cedric, I, I Cedric mean, Benson was uh, running back. No, I'm sorry. Cornerback, cornerback, corner, corner. Um, oh, my God. Who were the wide receivers that year? Well, I'm telling you. That's because it was a one-man show. No, like Cam Newton back in the day. We had, no. like right now, we have Jamar Chase starring in the league. Justin Jefferson was offensive rookie well, of the year. Well, this is an older team. We had Jamal Charles as our running back back then. So don't act Jamal like Jamal we Charles were just, was a beast. Yeah, don't Jamal act Charles like was a beast. We, well, Cedric Benson was on the team. No, Jamal no, Charles Cedric Benson said Cedric Griffin. He was a corner. He was a corner. I mixed right. that up. I mixed that up. Right, right. All I'm saying is this. Texas, that's a great team. Great game. Great performance by Vince Young. They don't mm-hmm. compare to 2019 LSU. Okay. They don't. And, I, and, and you know what? Bring Vince Young on here because I got some shit to talk to him no, about no, no, anyway. No, no, no. You ain't going to be... Uh, what? What? What you going to say? I you got some shit to talk to Vince Young about. I'm not about to embarrass you in front of Vince Young. I just want to know if Vince Young thinks that... if if I want to know if Vince Young thinks that that Texas team was better than LSU in 2019. What do you think he's going to say? He might just keep it real. But we're going to put this out here. Which team was better? Which you know team was no. better? Which... No. You know what? Let's not put it out there. Let's do this. Okay. Because we got holiday podcasts coming up. Let's do a whole podcast where we each make our choice. and We each make our case and bring people on. Let's do. Let's have a little court thing. We do this thing on 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 Ringiverse called Midnight Court. Okay. I'm willing to defend, and you're in, you're in the legal realm. I'm willing to defend <laughs> the 2019 LSU team against any team in college football history, especially that Texas team who is not even on the same level as us, if we're being honest. But the USC the USC game was 
it is that moment of greatness that I was talking about, Vince Young. But see, but see, Vince Young is perfect for this. Vince Young will never be forgetting for the forgotten for this game. But then in the pros, it was like kind of eh, uh. We're so gonna do this. Be... We're gonna do this midnight court. I'm gonna bring on surprise people to help me boost my argument Let's and everything. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. I, I'm going to win. I don't have very much to do. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Uh, take your pink caps off, <laughs> but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. And I am Rachel and Lindsay. Goodbye. <laughs>